Small businesses are the backbone of America, and they help keep the spirit of Texas alive. But did you know as many as 50% will close their doors forever after just five years? Well, we're here to change that. This is The Beef. We know how tough it is to be an entrepreneur today. We're giving small business owners a platform to share their story. You'll hear it all. The highs and the lows. The good and the bad. But most importantly, you'll learn. Welcome to The Beef. The Beef. Oh yeah, welcome back everybody to another episode of The Beef. I'm your host, as always, John Kelly, aka John the Marketer on Instagram. Make sure you're checking us out over there for all the stuff we have going on. I want to change it up a little bit. Before we hop into introducing, before we hop into anything, I just want to take a second because this is going to be an episode that's focused on mental health. And I just want to ask you this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're listening, how are you feeling right now? And I mean that for real, like, this isn't a gimmick. It's not a joke. Don't skip this. Just actually think about it for a second. Ask yourself for real. Nobody's here. It's just you. You're listening alone. How are you doing today? Because so often I think it's easy for us to just neglect our own mental health and to forget that we need to stop and check in on ourselves and take care of ourselves sometimes. Because honestly, man, when's the last time somebody has ever just stopped looked you dead in your face and said, Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Get that stuff off your chest, man. Whether it's morning time, lunchtime, dinner time, whether you're listening at night in the middle of the night, I don't care what day it is, what time it is. Just ask yourself right now, how are you for real? And if you've got anything inside of you that says anything other than I'm feeling great, let that shit go, man. And just understand that you are awesome Everything you're doing is going to work out and everything that you have going on right now is just something that's small that you're going to get over. And if you're in a great season right now, that's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm glad that everything's going right for you. But man, I just wanted to take a second and truly John Kelly here talking to you, my listener. I want to know how you're feeling. And if you're not feeling good, I just want to encourage you to know that you're awesome and everything you're doing is going to work out because I've been in some bad times in my life. I've been in some bad seasons in my life and every single time, call it religion, call it fate, call it destiny, whatever you want. Every single time the world has worked out better in my favor when I thought I was in some really bad places. So that's it. I don't want to make a downer for the whole episode. This is going to be a great episode. We're talking about a documentary today, but since it is mental health based, I just wanted to kind of check in with you, see how you are, because you're awesome, and I love you, and I can't appreciate you more than I do for listening every single week to The Beef. But today on this episode, we've got Clint DeBose in the studio, uh, Beyond the Lights. This is a documentary you're working on. It's a, a big project that means so much to you, and you know, like myself, because I'm involved in fire and EMS, and we work together in EMS, I also have a a strong tie to that mental health aspect of what we do. So this is a cool project for me too. I'm glad to be involved from a distance here and and I can't wait to see this thing evolve. But Clint, man, welcome to the the studio and welcome to an episode of The Beef. Right on, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we start our podcast every single time with an icebreaker question. So let's hop into that icebreaker question today. I want to ask you, what is your favorite 
meal to cook. If you were going to cook me something, and you have cooked me something, but if you were going <laughs> to cook me your favorite meal to cook, something that you just kill every single time you step into the kitchen, what would that meal be? Man, can I pick breakfast that I have made for you since I know that you'll like it? <laughs> I was going to say, if I was going to make a request, it would definitely be breakfast. Man, I got to remember, let's see, it was bacon and egg tacos with chorizo beans, yeah. right? Definitely some orange juice and some coffee in there. <laughs> but man, what, what was that it? Was it just bacon, eggs, chorizo beans? And I guess that was it, huh? Yeah, I think it, it was always that simple because yeah. we're at the firehouse. <laughs> we're trying to just get something slapped out real yeah. quick. And But y'all and, asked and for it all the time, so it had to have been good. Oh, it was or excellent. Just greasy and horrible and fattening. <laughs> Which is you know part of the reason we probably loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually made the chorizo beans one day at Station 1, Tomball Fire Department, and my now battalion chief, but then captain, he came out and he looked at the beans and he was like, where did the chorizo go? And I was like, well, it's in the beans. It's chorizo beans. And he was like, that's disgusting. I couldn't believe it. I was stunned because I was like, bro, this is the most amazing thing Did he try ever. it? And so, no. Oh! I, Man, I thought you were going to tell me he tried it and nope. he was a believer. Dang nope. it. Nope, he's not a believer. He was so mad. I think if I would have ever made chorizo beans again, I would have probably gotten written up. <laughs> I mean, I'm joking. I'm joking. But seriously, he was so disgusted. And I was like, have y'all never done this or heard of this before? And it was literally something I brought from you to my station and, and it and got rebuked <laughs> i was hated for it oh well man i learned about it too but you got to try it i guess i had to just yeah. try it did i ever make my loaded potato buffalo chicken casserole while you were there uh, while we worked together yeah you had to because that sounds familiar oh my god yeah. it's so good yeah, so it's I do remember. like cubed or diced potatoes yeah with buffalo sauce a bunch of seasonings thrown in you know proprietary blend i can't tell you what's in it no i'm kidding you can get the uh, recipe online super simple super easy to make and you just cook those potatoes high heat until they're kind of soft and then you throw the chicken on top which is also basted in that same hot sauce and seasonings mix you put that on top and then you chunk it back in the oven until the chicken's cooked and then you just put loads of cheese and chives and bacon bits on top of all of that and then once that comes out all bubbly goodness just filled with cheese and fat and all the bad stuff that we love then you can throw some ranch on top you can throw sour cream on top you know whatever you fancy man that's probably my signature dish. That's the one my wife loves the most. All right. right on. You could tell that you cook and I don't. <laughs> well, so I like to cook. My wife gets mad because I don't cook a whole lot at home. Oh, for she real? Does a oh, lot you of cook the cooking. at the station. I get home late quite a bit, and she'll say that's an excuse, and she's not wrong. But, <laughs> you know, I do get home late quite a bit, and usually she's home 4, 35 o'clock, and she's able to start getting things ready for the kids and whatnot. But I do. I get in trouble when I cook at the station. <laughs> Because she's like, oh, you'll cook for all of them, yeah. but you won't cook for me. And then at the station, my firefighter doesn't let me cook a whole lot, man. He cooks a lot of the meals, so I can't complain. Well, yeah, no, I got in trouble, too, because I don't cook at all. And uh, y'all, I had to cook breakfast yeah. every shift when I worked over there with y'all. So she would, I'd catch y'all all the time. Be like, man, you're always over there cooking. Always yeah. over there cooking. You don't ever cook us nothing. I think that was the agreement, right? Was you always brought breakfast, yeah. always cooked breakfast, and then they handled lunch and dinner. Yep. For the other days. Yep. Yeah. And I That's brought not... breakfast every Yeah, it was nice. My way to contribute, you know, once because I started at the fire department, you know, once you start, you got to have like some sort of skill outside of what right. you're doing to bring to the family and fit in. And mine was breakfast, man. I made that breakfast one time. Everybody loved it. And I was like, hey, I'll do it every day. Yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of my way in. It doesn't matter how fit a firefighter is. We're all fat on the inside. 
And some of us are fatter on the outside, and that's okay. You know, more to love. That's right, man. But the reason we're here, let's just start with you and just talk about where you came from, how you got into EMS and your career there. And then after EMS, what kind of led you down the steps up to Beyond the Lights? Born and raised in Houston, Texas. In 2008, I believe I got my EMT basic. In 2011, got my paramedic and been kind of bouncing around everywhere ever since. Did some time up down south in Laporte, Angleton, did some work offshore, did some work with you at the fire department, you know, just kind of did a little bit of everything. I never stay anywhere too long, man. I've always been the type of person where after a couple of years, I usually bail out. I keep good relations with people, but at the same time, I just go find something else to do. I just get bored very easily. I guess over time, and you know this, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, mental health is like a big thing with us. One of the big things is you can't really say anything about it. You know, it's for the most part, you can't. I think times are changing now. Like, I feel like me and you could talk about things, whereas I would say maybe 10 years ago, definitely not. At least me, where I was, I wouldn't have said anything. And you couldn't have approached me either. There's no way you'd have been able to come to me and say, hey, Clint, I'm having struggling with this call because I would have laughed at you. And I think some of us are still like that. Yeah, just different phases of EMS that you go through. It's going to come back around. You know what I mean? It'll it'll come back around. And uh, you're going to learn that, okay, there's a lot more to it than just these calls. There's a lot of things that we're going through in our lives outside of the fire or EMS finances, you know, and relationships and you know, on top of that, the not sleeping or the eating bad, like you say, or being unhealthy or just having bad coping mechanisms of stress, you know, cigarettes, another big one for me, smoking cigarettes, all that stuff just kind of compiles and adds on. And you have this compounding stress thing that just the bad cocktail and eventually it's going to cause some problems, you know. And I want, uh, I guess, the purpose of the thing was to open up a dialogue between us, get us talking to each other, I guess being more accepting of each other's problems, you know, instead of shooting them down so quick and maybe starting at the beginning where people are just coming in, you know, and learning about EMS and learning about fire or being a first responder, learning right then and there how to treat your fellow coworker, you know, or your family member, as we like to say, you know, but uh, we're just not there for each other as we are our community, you know, strangers, you know, we're we're there more for them than we are for each other, especially to certain things. So anyway, long story short, I obviously went through some problems and my way of dealing with things has always been writing. So I wrote a uh, script and it had a lot to do with mental health and EMS. And so I really wanted to make this movie. And so I started the long process of getting all that together. And then I was like, man, you know, after talking with everybody and telling everybody what I'm trying to do and telling them my story, they're getting really excited and everybody wants it to happen now. And it's like, it just takes a long time because the movies are really expensive. So I was like, man, what about a documentary? We can do that in stages. It's cheaper, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So we kind of went that direction, trying to do a documentary. And at the end of the day, it just wasn't happening, man. People were not giving us the money. It's expensive. And right. I don't blame them. You know, who am I? Right. So, with the little money that I have been able to get from family or from me, I've got enough there where I could shoot a few interviews, you know, with people about mental health. And so I got to think, I'm going to just do a YouTube channel and it'll just be a documentary series, you know, on YouTube and we'll release something every week. And so I got to work on that. 
I got in contact with Community Volunteer Fire Department, which is awesome. They have a huge training facility and all this. They let us come over there and film all kinds of stuff. And then I hopped in the uh, front of the ambulance with a interviewee and we talked basically about mental health. And she's got a company about where she teaches resilience and all that. And she had actually gone through quite a bit. She was a dispatcher for quite a while and had a drowning call that bothered her for a little bit. And so it was really good conversation, man. It ended up being really good. We got a really good interview out of it. We did a promo for the department. And so that's getting all edited right now. We'll publish that. We hope to have, I want to do one every week, but you know, it might not be one every week, but one every couple weeks. But it would, it's turning out pretty good so far. I mean, everybody that's been involved so far is really excited. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been going well. That's awesome, man. So uh, I just kind of want to back up because you touched on something there. It's not always just about that drowning victim. It's not always just about the calls that you go through and that stuff either. It's your at-home life. It's finances. I'm similar to you. I started in volunteer fire in 2005. In 2009, I figured out I really love this fire thing and I want to get paid to do something like this. So what do I do? And growing up in Waller County out there, all we had was EMS. That was what was paid at the time and fire was not. It was all volunteers. So I I got told by a mentor, hey, if if you want to work in this field, you're going to do it here in Waller, then you're going to need to get your EMT. So I went to school, got my EMT in 2009. And then, you know, again, like you, I get bored or I do something stupid and just job hop, you know, and, and so I wound up at another place the day that I got my paramedic, this other place that I was at, I got fired for being a patient advocate and I don't even think they're around anymore. It was coastal EMS. Oh, I don't think they are. Yeah. I got fired for being a patient advocate. I won my unemployment hearing because of it. And like, this is literally what's driven into us in school by the state. Like this is what I have to do. I was just being an advocate for my patient. But, you know, it was affecting the bottom dollar. They let me go the day my paramedic came in. Thank God, Pearland EMS hired me. I got my paramedic in 2011. In 2012, I got my full-time job at Pearland. And then from there, in 2014, they were like, hey, we're going to combine fire and EMS. Are you interested? And I was like, hell yeah, I'm interested. Like, I started out as a firefighter. This is what I want, you know? So I went to fire school, got that stuff done. And ever since then, man, I've I've been with either multiple departments or part-time at Tomball. And like with you, I was full-time at Rose Hill. And then now I'm full-time at Tomball, promoted up the chain. Everything's going great. Love it. But at home, we can suffer because... When I was early in that process, working as an EMT, man, nine, 10, 11 bucks an hour doesn't cut it. And we were financially stressed, my wife and I. And then, I mean, we were sharing one vehicle. We had a kid. We were in a $500 a month duplex for renting. And we were still struggling, you know, with her job and my job. And every single time things got better. But just because the financial struggle went away, well, now we're dealing with the struggles of shift work. You know, my wife is a single mom for two to three days out of the week depending on how much I work because she's home alone. I'm at the station. I can't help at all. I'm gone for 48 hours straight or a a 24 in addition to that 48, whether it's 72 straight or a 24 popping up, you know, sometime in between. And then on top of that, I was just looking at the divorce rates on my phone of firefighters and EMS personnel, first responders in general. And we're talking even back in 2015, 40, 50, 60% of marriages that are first responder marriages, they're gone. They get a divorce. And so you have all of these things outside that are stressing you and then you get to work and then, and not to sound cliche, because I think that like we were probably built different, 
If not, then it's something you learn when you get into EMS of being able to like desensitize yourself to situations where uh, some people think like we're cold or we're callous or unfortunately sometimes they'll hear the gallows humor and the jokes that we make and stuff. And, and it's like we're not making jokes because we think it's funny that someone died or we think it's funny that someone got hurt. We're making jokes so that we can cope with it so that instead of crying, we can laugh and people don't understand that part of it. But not to sound cliche, but then you see the shit you see at work. And you're like, man, this is, you know, I'm dealing with home life struggles and then I get to work and I'm dealing with work life struggles and then things just compound. And I've seen it firsthand where people act different at work or act different at home because of the struggles of one or the other. And uh, I think it's so important that this documentary hits on not just what we're seeing at work, but also what we're seeing at home. So what is your long-term plan for that? Like what content are we going to be seeing on this documentary and what are you looking to shoot? So what I'd like to do is honestly, every week hit a new department and talk to somebody new about their struggles with their mental health. They're struggling or they have struggled, whatever story they have. I want to go everywhere, see everybody. And then eventually, honestly, I'd love to be able through the YouTube channel, raise enough money to make the movie. That'd be great. But long-term goal, man, really, is I just want to fill up that channel with as many interviews as I can. You know, talk to as many people as I can, go to as many agencies as I can, and see what they're doing, too. That's the other interesting thing about it is learning about what EMS agencies are doing to actually handle resiliency or, you know, mental health like what does your department have in line for that some don't have anything you know or like they talk about critical incident stress debriefing and i say i've been doing this you said 2011 same amount of time as me right i've never been to one single critical incident that's crazy you mean to tell me in 13 years i haven't seen something nothing that would why that's kind of weird right i think it's kind of a disconnect I'm a paramedic. I'm not hating on EMS. No, yeah. I think EMS does things a little different than fire sometimes, man. I I never felt the same sense of brotherhood or sisterhood that we had in fire while I was in EMS, you know, and maybe it was the agencies I was at or the people I was working with, but it didn't seem like everybody had your back as much as fire. And I will say, I think you're right. As far as the critical incident stress debriefings go, the ones I've attended have always been fire-based. And I will say we're lucky here in Tomball and Northwest Community Health is an amazing department. As far as EMS goes, they're really on top of their game, man. And they take those things seriously. Like both of our departments will not hesitate if somebody's had something that's that bad. Hey, if we need to find you coverage, go home. Or if you need to go sleep in a room for two hours, then you're out of service. We'll cover it. Like supervisors will get down on the ambulance or on the fire truck and cover so you can go get some rest and just get that off your chest, you know? So I think we're lucky there, but I have seen that where EMS kind of lacks behind fire on taking care of their people sometimes. Yeah, no, I uh, been saying that from the beginning. That's kind of what propelled this forward. And I try and change the way I say things and say first responder. But at the end of the day, I've been in EMS most of the time for all my experience has been. I've seen all the stuff that I've seen and everything. So, and that's where I've noticed that for us, it's different, man. Like we do not have that. Like you may have that relationship with your partner on the truck, maybe, but that's it. You'll have that one person that you see every day that maybe you could talk to. But even then, you know, I went through some problems and I didn't reach out to that person. Been working on for five years on the ambulance. Why not? You know, well, why was there that disconnect? How come people in EMS can't say they're having a problem or 
don't feel comfortable saying it. Is it the environment that they're in? Have they been told they're not allowed to? Are they just insecure about it? Or what is it? Like, I've noticed it's different. And that's kind of what made me want to do this whole thing is just that stigma of being able to say anything like, no, nah, dude, I'm not okay. Or, or even ask somebody if they're okay, you know, and yeah. you, know, you can't. Well, I mean, and let's not forget changes happen slow. Progress happens slow. Like you can't change things overnight. It doesn't matter what it is, your weight, your finances. Not too long ago, man, you know exactly like I do what we would have been told 15, 20 years ago at most agencies. If you walked in and said, man, I'm really struggling after that call. All right, get out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't care. What do you, you know, wuss, let's go. Come on. We got another call. Like, what are you going to do? Go home? No, I'll fire you. We've got another call. Let's go. With that, even though it seems so distant, it's still a slow, progressive change of finally we're at a point, especially at my agency, where there's nothing wrong from the people at the station to the battalion chiefs to the fire chief himself. There is never shame in walking in and saying, hey, I'm not okay, and I need help. And thank God we're finally here, but that doesn't mean that our neighboring agencies, every single one of them has it down. I mean, I think you're still going to probably find those agencies that are struggling with that or even the individual people because we all deal with things different man and for some people they like to talk to somebody and for some people they don't they kind of want to just i want to be left alone have some me time and i'll be okay after that and so they may kind of devalue the critical incident stress debriefing or having a team come in you know because like we had a firefighter loss and we immediately had a team respond and we had counselors on site And it was like, anybody who needs to talk at any point in time, you can do that on or off duty, doesn't matter, make the phone call. And I think some people probably inside, thankfully they didn't show it, but inside they were probably like, this is dumb. I don't need this. Like I'm good, which is great, but don't devalue that for someone else who does need it. That's what I was going to say is keep it to yourself, man. Let people cope the way they want to. Cause I was bad at that at first too, man. I was the first one to make fun of somebody. That ain't right. You know, just because I did it doesn't make it right. And I realize now that it was the wrong way to go about it. You got to let people cope the way that they know how. And just because that's, you might not need it that day, doesn't mean that one day you're not going to need that same exact kind of help. Absolutely. No, I mean, I I couldn't agree more, man. It's a different ball game when you talk about someone's mental health. We're all so different. None of us are the same. None of us cope the same. And I think that's my biggest goal as a, a new lieutenant is... I want to be an open door for anyone in my department, anyone on my shift or anyone at my station to just be able to come in and have that ultimate confidence of I'm not going to do or say anything that's going to break your confidence in this. If you need to talk, we can talk. It doesn't matter if I'm off duty and it's 11 o'clock at night, midnight, one o'clock, because I've been there, man. Back when I used to just volunteer, that was my first critical incident stress debriefing. I lost my best friend to suicide. And he was 20 years old. I had just turned 21 a month before our high school, couple classes out from us, of course, was having graduation that day. I was going to see my nephew walk. I just, I couldn't find my buddy. He was living with me. We were moving into that duplex together. Best friend in the whole world, more like a brother than a friend. And he hung himself in my front yard. And that was like some deep personal crap that I went through. And it was kind of Related, like he had problems the whole time, but we were both in the fire department together. He kind of struggled to find where he fit in professionally. And he was finally trying the fire thing and liking it. I was in EMT school and he was like, man, I might do that because it's way better than delivering pizza. And everything seemed to be kind of on the up and up. And then it just like we saw it coming, 
but it still surprises you. And I found that, and I went through that personally. I found him. I saw him. I had to make the call. I called his sister, like all that stuff. And then immediately volunteer fire department called in from a professional fire department, a CISD team. And they came in and they were like, this is a safe space for all the family, friends, firefighters here. Let's talk. Let's go through this. And it was just an amazing process of people reaching out. And that was 2009. Yeah, that was 2009. No, this was Tri-County Fire Department. Oh, okay. Back in 2009. So that was, you know, quite a bit. (laughs) I feel old (laughs) saying that, but that was a long time ago. I know, dude. And so I've been lucky, I guess, with having plenty of resources around me all the time, even back in my volunteer days. But that stuff, man, it sticks with you. And every single thing, I think we talked about this before, it's not that you go to that one call and that one call jacks you up terribly. And it may, because it may be that bad of a call, but usually it's going to be, well, I went to this call and it was kind of bad. I went to this call and it was really bad. I went to this call and it was okay, but you know there was some bad elements to it. And then all of a sudden, those things compound and compound and that one straw breaks the camel's back. And all of a sudden, you're in a whirlwind. And it's like, if you would have taken care of that as you went along, everything would have been okay. And that's what I want to be for my crew. Because I don't want to go through that again where I find you or I get a phone call or whatever the case may be. I don't care. He could have woke me up. It was probably midnight, one o'clock in the morning when I got home from work. And he said, hey, bro, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm heading to bed. You know, me and my wife went to bed and uh, woke up the next morning to him gone. And it was like he could have knocked on the door. He could have said, nah, man, I need you to stay awake because I'm having some bad thoughts like anything. We had talked about it. He had had attempts, not attempts, but ideation before. And we had had that conversation like, hey, I don't care what time it is, what day it is, what we're doing, what the circumstances are. You stop everything and call me before I have to find you because I can't deal with it. So I, I just don't want anybody to be that person. I want them to reach out before they get to that point. And that's the, the whole important thing, too, about the the project is as we're doing it, the reason why I want to ask questions is I want to learn, too, man. Like, I don't have all the answers, but I want to uncover all the, like, what are positive ways to cope with stress? You know, what are other ways to help out in these other areas that will benefit you so you don't crack later? I want to learn them, too. You know, we're not perfect. You know, I'm not perfect. I think it's just so important is just have a, a support structure around you of people that support you and yeah, just good coping mechanisms really, you know, learning how to cope with that stuff before it gets you to that point, you know? So is this going to be strictly EMS or are you going to open it up to fire? It's anybody, man. It's first responders. I mean, it was, it started out EMS. I'm not going to lie to you. That's, I was only going to sure. do EMS people, but the first interview I had with someone who worked dispatch for 15 years, but has a lot of experience in mental health and resiliency and stuff. So it was just like a perfect guest. And it was funny because I always sit here and talk about how EMS is like the bastard stepchild of the first responder. I was going to say, yep. But then you have the dispatchers, man. I forgot all about them. Always forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, oh, so it's kind of like, all right, that kind of made me think maybe I should include other people in my, we all see the same thing, right? Like you say, it's different for us, man. We don't have that same support structure that fire or maybe even dispatch has, dude. We really don't. You're left to your own devices in EMS. So, I mean, and that's a good question. What does dispatch normally have for them? You know, because it's such a 
thankless job. Because don't get me wrong, I'm gonna rag on dispatch all oh, the time. Of course, yeah, right? they send us calls. Yeah, I I hate dispatch all the time, <laughs> but I don't really. We really do appreciate them because they're our lifeline. Yeah. You know, and, and I think people, if they don't understand that about dispatch, they are our lifeline. Without them, who are we contacting? Yeah. When we need help, when we need additional resources, whatever the case may be, who are we contacting them? And the big thing is you don't think about the things that they go through, but I think it's pretty well known. I'm addicted to TikTok. Like I'm not even going to go to TikTok anonymous. I'm just addicted to it and I'm okay with it. I watch a lot of TikTok and a lot of the videos that are popular on there are the dispatch calls and you hear some crazy things on those calls. And I'm like, you know, as crazy as it is for us to respond, like I remember an agency I had at a location that I can't mention. I had a call and it was an early teens female and she shot herself and mom is home alone with her. And I'm like, as hard as it was for me to walk into that call and to deal with seeing a young girl take her life prematurely, think about the dispatcher who got the phone call from the frantic mom and she's got to sit here and not only listen and then want to deal with her own emotions about the call, but then she's got to make calls to other people to get them en route to it and make sure that she's handling her stuff. And it's like, they go through a similar battle. They're just not there. They're going to ask questions and get information from this person. And do you know how many times you hear those 911 tapes where people are like, ma'am, I just need an ambulance. My daughter is dead. And it's like, no, an ambulance is in route. Yeah. I but I got to get these questions from you. Yeah, like what's so going? Sad what are they going to see? Yeah, yeah. I feel awkward when I walk up and have to say like, "Ma'am, I need to get your name, date of birth, phone yeah, number, I hate her it. name, yeah. her date of birth." Like, it's so awkward when you go through that. And I'm like, well, dispatch goes through a similar thing. So that's really cool that you include dispatch in that as well. Well, I mean, it just happened by chance. Really, yeah. it really just happened by chance, and it was. I'm glad it happened because it opened my eyes that to that because the whole time I was thinking poor us, you know, EMS. And I was right. like, oh man, I didn't even think of dispatch. I was like, well, poor them, I guess. <laughs> it's just like fire gives EMS crap. EMS gives fire crap and police and dispatch. And we're all going to give each other crap. But in the end, any first responder, any military, and honestly, man, we're in this job for a reason. It's anybody. Even if you're not a first responder, anybody matters. Mental health matters. But for us, I think it's just easier because we're in this field. And it's what we think about. But Mammy, I had a lawyer on and we got off into some of the stuff that he deals with, with probate, death of children, you know, or kids that have death of parents or, I mean, like there's so many professions out there that deal with things that they could easily take home to their family. And it's like, we got to start thinking about ourselves. That's why I opened the show the way I did. Like you've got to stop and do a mental health checkup on yourself. And I think that's something that helped me when I was going through my parents' divorce. And I was like, first grade, seven, eight, nine years old, first, second, third grade, like that time period. And uh, typical kid, I blame myself. You know, it's like, well, what could I have done to keep my parents together? Or maybe it's my fault that they argue so much because that one time, you know, I did something and mom stood up for me and then dad was mad at her for, you know, and it's like, maybe it's my fault. Going back to what I said in the beginning of this, of you're awesome, everything you're working on is going to work out, like we have to give those words of affirmation to ourselves because sometimes we don't hear it from other people because sometimes people don't know we need to hear it. But that was something that stuck out to me during that divorce was the counselor at my school, Roberts Road Elementary School, man, I'll, I'll never forget it. 
I can't remember her name and it makes me so upset, but she had a mirror in her office, her little room, her office, whatever you want to call it. And it was just a mirror. And on the top, it said something like, you're a star, you're awesome. You know, whatever it was, it was words of affirmation. And I was like, you go in there and you talk to her, you tell her everything you're feeling. And then she would tell you as a kid how to deal with it. And then before you left, you had to look at yourself in that mirror and you had to say something positive about yourself to yourself. And that's huge. Like we have to do that. And not only for ourselves, but for each other, I think like it may seem, you know, we'll pop off with some inappropriate joke about it at work or something, but in the end we have to say, but no, for real, like you're awesome, bro. That's the thing right there is, yeah, it's okay to give each other a little bit of hell every once in a while, I think, but man, like uh, there's gotta be a point in time where just like you said, like not, but for real, (laughs) are we good, man? Like, you know, I try to thank people for what they do a lot, even if it's small. Even if it doesn't matter, whatever it is, I try to say all the time, like, hey, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Because I feel like even just something that small can make a big difference. So funding for this project, obviously, it costs a lot of money. You know, beefy marketing, we have expensive cameras. We have expensive audio equipment. We know how much equipment costs. And then we know how much we charge for video. So I know that this is not a cheap venture. So what are you doing for funding and then how can we help out and support it? I've been begging a lot for money. That's what I've been doing mostly. And it's been kind of working. I've got some. So if you go to 1960 and 45, that's a good, that spot's taken and they're pretty pretty aggressive about that spot (laughs) right there. So I've had to move it up to champions up here. So So begging for money so we can donate. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you can donate. We do have this site. It's beyondthelightsdoc.com. Same thing with the YouTube channel. We have Beyond the Lights, our stories. You go subscribe to that. If you go onto the website, there's a donate button. And you can hit there. Donate whatever you can. If the agencies that we go to would donate, that'd be great too. It does cost a little bit of money to get people out there. And like I said, the audio. And I'm editing it myself with some help though. So to make it uh, less expensive. But uh, I still need some help financially to get it all done. Sure. It'd get done a lot faster if I had more money for sure, but we'll take our time. It's cool. Yeah. You could donate there on the site, go to the Facebook page, beyond the lights doc, like the page, subscribe to the YouTube channel and go check out the website and donate there. Awesome. And how do we support you besides obviously financial? Right. Do you have social media? Like what do we need to do? So YouTube is the big one. Subscribe there and uh, you'll, update you with all the videos that we're doing because that's where I'm going to post them. The Facebook page, Beyond the Lights Doc, go there, like that page. Uh, We'll be embedding videos there too, of course. Uh, And then Instagram, Beyond the Lights, our stories as well. Okay. Awesome. And what if I'm interested, I'm a department or I'm just somebody at a department and I want to have y'all out, man, what do I do? Can I contact you, get you in contact with the chief? What, what's the story? Call me directly, email me directly. You want to share your contact info? I mean, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Go I, ahead. Uh, <laughs> 832-202-3622. Call, Call for a good time. <laughs> 832. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, seriously, you know, this is your show. We're here for your episode, your show. What's your email address? Do uh, beyond the lights doc at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. And then uh, I'll get it there. And yeah, if you have a story of your suffering, uh, and also there are resources on the page too. I want to make sure, like on the website, that we had a page for resources. So 
Like I say, don't call that 832 number if you're having problems like that because I'm probably not the best person. <laughs> you know, I'm not qualified for that. I don't but know, bro. If, get a beer. Uh, <laughs> you, know, I, yeah, you know, I'm not the best. <laughs> Smoke a cigarette. That. That's yeah, what like, I used yeah, to do. Yeah, I know. That's what I do. Hey. <laughs> no, so, don't no. do those things at all. So go to the website and uh, there's a resource page. And as soon as you click it right there, you'll see numbers to call and things like that. And then there's also websites where you click on it and it has all the stuff we were just talking about, financial, working out, eating better, you know, how to break bad habits and things like that. So a lot of helpful information. That's awesome. Too. You ever thought about writing a book with all this info in it? Uh, No, I haven't thought about writing a book with all that info in it. I have thought about writing a book before though, but... No, I haven't thought about writing one like that. No, I was just, you said you like to write whenever I do. You I love to write that stuff. So yeah. I'm like, you know, that's honestly almost like a an autobiography type thing yeah. where like it's not just a story of you know just you, but it kind of is of like, hey, here's my experience, yeah. and here's how I did things wrong, and here's how I did things right, and here's how I changed, and here's what you can do. And I don't, I don't know. I just I, no, I like that. Kind actually. of spitballing. No, yeah. I like that. I, I really do like that. I'll take forty uh, percent. <laughs> Or any sales of that book. It won't be, it'll be 40% not much, man, probably. But hey. 40% of zero is still zero, bud. Right. We're going to make a dollar each off of this. But that's right. Cool. Hey, it's you know about what? The message. That's a dollar more than I had when I got here this morning. So that's right. I'm all right with it. It's about the message. Awesome, man. I mean, is there anything else that we need to talk about? Anything else we need to get out there about this? Or do you think we pretty much covered it? Man, I think we covered it. Just stay patient with me. I'm very all over the place, as you can tell. So, but And things take time. That's why I try and stay very secretive with all my information. I don't share a lot of on the Facebook or anything because it takes time, man. I don't want to get people excited and then let them down later. Yeah. So just be patient. We're getting as much together as we can. I've already shot the first episode, but I'm editing it myself, as I said. And uh, it's a new venture for me. So it's just taking time. Yeah, I know how we are in, in Fire and EMS, man. If you say, hey, in six months, I've got this cool project that's coming out. And yeah, this is no what it's called. Changed. Three months later, people are like, hey, where's that project? Yeah, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I have three months left, like I told you three yeah. months ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, I had a Still conversation about that with my chief recently. And I, I can't tell you all too much because if I do, then you all are expecting these things to happen like yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. And I can't do it tomorrow. It's going to take some time, you know. So we are impatient that's for sure i just want to make sure like i could talk about this stuff all day man so i just want to make sure we hit all the topics we needed to because it's such a good thing to talk about and we need to talk about it more so no that's a good conversation man and i'd be happy to do it any other time and if you know anybody if anybody your department wants to we'll come down there and shoot a promo whatever you know there too whatever you know, it's interested to have him get in contact with me, man. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for coming in. I can't thank you enough for sharing your personal story and sharing with us what you're doing, even though, you know, it's supposed to be top secret right now. So I can't thank you enough for coming in and listeners. I can't thank y'all enough for listening every single week on Thursday. We release a new episode at 5 a.m., but you can listen anytime, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Just make sure, man, that you are supporting these companies and documentaries and nonprofits that we have on this show. It's so important just to help kind of like boost each other up and, and help each other out. You know, these are small businesses, some of them that we have on here, and, and some may be a large corporation or an investment company, but there's still somebody tied to that. That's an everyday person. 
And I can't think of anything better to support than people. And we've got to support each other, especially through these tough times. So thank y'all for being here every single week. Thank y'all for everything y'all do. I hear the stories all the time of, hey, I had somebody come in Captain Brad's that said they heard me on the podcast. You know, thanks for having me on. Hey, I had somebody come to Bonfire Grill and uh, they said that they heard about me on the podcast or their friend heard about me. You know, we had a chiropractic office on and, and she said that a friend listened to the podcast and then told her friend, hey, you need to go to this chiropractic office because... I know that you're suffering with back pain and those stories are so cool. So thank y'all for tuning in, but also for supporting these companies. They definitely deserve it. That's another episode. That's another week. And we'll see you on the next one. You've been listening to the beef. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like rate and review. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information that you can use and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, follow us on social media. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. Would you like your business featured on The Beef? Know a business that should be featured? Visit beefymarketing.com slash the beef. Remember, branding is about a connection with you and your people. Till next time, thanks for listening to The Beef.